Hello and welcome to the very first episode of the Pediatric Point of Care Ultrasound Podcast. I'm Tom Matei. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to give you a little more background into the purpose of the Pediatric Pocus Podcast. If you found us, then you know that clinical ultrasound, especially in pediatrics, is rapidly evolving. This will be a platform to not only review the literature, but also discuss administrative, educational, and technical trends and strategies. Our goal is to connect and inform pediatric POCUS enthusiasts and encourage them to engage with the community at large. In that vein, we are launching this podcast a little earlier than anticipated because of the time-sensitive content featured in this first episode. Today's episode is about a brand new clinical assessment tool for PEM POCUS that's rolling out this June, and with a few minor caveats, every PEM fellow in the country should take it. Dr. Kaida Alade and her colleagues are offering the exam free of charge. However, the test will only be available for a few short days. I met Dr. Alade at the 2019 SAEM conference in Las Vegas. She was there coordinating the P2 conference, the Pediatric POCUS Network's national meeting, as well as presenting her data on the new assessment tool for PEM fellows. My name is Kaina Lade. I am a full-time mother of five, as well as a pediatric emergency medicine physician at Baylor College of Medicine and Texas Children's Hospital. I am the pediatric point-of-care ultrasound director there, and that's me. Way back in 2011, Dr. Alade was the first PEM attending at Baylor who was fellowship trained in ultrasound. When she finished her training, she was tasked with building the ultrasound program from the ground up. What was it like to be the one, the one person in the institution? Where do you start? So creating the program wasn't hard because you can dream something up and, and there are lots of documents on you know, ASAP's website of how to create a program and here are the documents you need. It, it's not creating the program, it's instituting it. It's getting people to come and learn. It's getting the time from your section. It's getting the time in your fellows lectures or, or in your staff meetings to be able to present these things. Every part of it takes time out of something. And it's just being able to insert ultrasound into all the different aspects of what's already going on in, in your department. And you really have to have support. And that's how we started at Baylor. Someone had the foresight to entrust that into me and send me out to do a fellowship. And so someone has to come in and take on that role of educating and training others and being able to do the QA and being able to show people how great POCUS is and what it can be used in the clinical aspect. People have to see that. So you need to really have someone there to champion the process. And whether that is, you know, the section head decides to recruit someone, which is a good way to start, or they internally have someone who's interested and support them as they go out to do an ultrasound fellowship. After eight years of hard work from her entire department, she and her team have built one of the most impressive pediatric POCUS programs in the world. Yeah, we went from a couple people who had some training, then I came in as the first ultrasound fellowship trained person, to now we have a robust training program and we have our own point of care ultrasound fellowship, which has been phenomenal. Having had such success, she wanted to make sure that both what she was teaching and how she was teaching it was based in evidence. I realized that I got thrown into this position, voluntarily of course, I of threw course. myself, after an ultrasound fellowship, but I didn't really have a lot of training in how to do things for the adult learner, and so now I'm in getting my Master's of Education. Absolutely backwards, but... <laughs> Going forward. Exactly. Now that you've taught everyone. <laughs> now that everyone's yes. taught and there are people there who can help me, 
I can go back and figure out how I'm supposed to actually teach people and realize that, hey, that doing it by the seat of your pants, you got some things right, but here are some things that you can work on. And she found that after she trained her team to perform ultrasounds, deciding who to credential felt a bit arbitrary. When it comes to your graduating fellows, whether it's point of care ultrasound fellowship or PEM fellowship or EM residency, at the end of it, you look at how many scans they've done, you hope they're of good quality, you realize you scanned with them some and you hope you remember whether they can scan or not, and then you decide whether or not to give them their, your blessing. And if, they've, if you have some sort of threshold, whether you're using the ASAP guidelines, whatever it is, and you write them a letter at the end that says they've completed this, they're competent, or they're not. Yes, there's not a lot of data there. No, there's not. Um, I have numbers and I, I have data on the quality of the numbers, but I wanted more. And what she wanted was a test, a way to prove that her fellows had mastered the fundamentals of ultrasound. And many places around the country were already administering similar tests at their own sites. Dr. Alade saw an opportunity to collaborate, to create a standardized test that could be used everywhere. And we got a group of pediatric ultrasound experts together to decide what applications are necessary for a graduating third year PEM fellow to know when they graduate. And of those applications, how much of each one should represent a test? Hmm. We developed a template. And it was important to us to make this a template and not just a test. Because if you make a test, you have one or two versions of the test and that's it. Everybody's seen it. But if you make a template and then turn around and make a question bank, you tell your software, whatever it is, to apply this template to the question bank. And everybody can have a random assessment, but it's based off of the same type of material, the same complexity. And so that's what we did. So we developed this template, and that was phase one. And then in part two, or phase two, we did a modified Delphi, and eight pediatric POCUS experts wrote a ton of questions in those 17 categories that we had determined from the previous process. By this point, she and her team had written hundreds of questions. However, they wanted to make sure that each question was valid. We took those questions and two medical education experts reviewed all the questions, made sure they were clear and had a, an obvious answer choice, but they weren't POCUS experts. So after they did that, we had to turn around and then review all the questions again to make sure by editing them, we didn't change the content. And then we took this set of questions and begged and pleaded with other pediatric point of care ultrasound experts to go through a Delphi process, three rounds of reviewing hundreds of questions and editing them. Is the video an image of good quality? Do you agree with the answer choice? Should we keep the question? Should we throw the question out or should we edit and represent it? And we did that for three rounds. And in the end, we have a question bank. It's categorized, it's separated. So now, starting in June, we will have the first test. And then we'll take the information that we gather after this year and set passing scores. Wow. So this it's been a long haul. Yeah, it sounds just <laughs> it's been a long wow. haul. Going through hundreds of questions is impressive. Yeah, four hundred and thirty-seven. That's amazing. <laughs> to start off with. Mm-hmm. And so are you planning on using this as not just a like a side exam type, or is this a oh Steven got a hundred percent on the ocular but didn't get a single fast question right? We should probably not credential him in fast. Are you using it to to go through and assess individual studies proficiencies? So the the thought is people take sight exams to see if they're prepared uh, when they graduate to go off and take your PEDS boards, your PEM boards, right? And 
And what we want to do is offer this at the end of the year, free of charge for graduating PEM fellows and give that information back to their point of care ultrasound directors, the same sort of way the site exam would be, which gives you an overall score, whether you passed or didn't pass and breaks it down into the different applications. So you can take that information and decide yourself. So with a bank of hundreds of questions and a complex algorithm to build a unique exam for every fellow, the assessment tool is just about ready for prime time. The last step is to find real-life PEM fellows to test their knowledge and establish benchmarks. So we are in the process of finishing the site. It's going to be offered through Moodle, which is a free online uh, education tool. Um, and right now, because we're trying to gather information to continue analysis of the questions, this year everyone will have access to it who's a PEM fellow first, second, and third years. Um, as long as they are at a place where they have a POCUS champion or a POCUS director who will um, give us a little bit of demographic information so that way we can actually assess the test overall. Hmm. Future rounds of it, it'll just be an exam. But right now, we don't have a passing score. Right. So we need to know how first years do compared to second years. And if you're currently, if your program director thinks you're competent or if you're a novice, all of that information needs to be obtained. How many scans have you had? And so this year is completely free. Um, but when the call goes out, and it'll probably go out in the next week and a half to ultrasound directors, the only thing that's necessary in order to take the test is there are multiple, excuse me, things. One, your ultrasound director has to be willing to assess your competence. Um, prior to the exam, and two, you have to be available to take the exam. It's not going to just be offered, cur I mean, open. It'll be several days where there's a four-hour period for you to take the test. And then once the four-hour period is done, test is over. And so if you are a PEM fellow who is interested, or just know a PEM fellow who may be interested, now is the time to get signed up for the test. The call went live yesterday, June 11th, and if you and your division are interested in participating, you must act quick. As soon as possible, send an email to the addresses listed in the show notes for more information. Before we go, at the end of our interview together, I asked Dr. Alade for advice on starting a new program. Another difficult thing in coming out and going to a place where there wasn't a lot of ultrasound was the mentorship and just not having it directly there. But if you can become a part of a group like the P2 Network, I think I know ultrasound, but the people that are in that group are amazing. They're phenomenal teachers, educators, researchers, everything. And they take your ideas, they help you with it. You can just, you know, talk things back and forth. You can get involved, but you just really have to find some place where you can become involved outside of your institution if you don't have that foundation at home, which I hope. Most places do exactly, now. Exactly, right. I hope Hopefully we're in a completely so. different place than we were in 2010 when I started my ultrasound fellowship. Yeah, I believe we are. Good. But for the very but. few people who are out there uh, who may not be in the perfect spot, how so other than just getting on the website or going to the conference every year, is there any other way to get engaged with the P2 Network? So once you go onto the website, there are different committees you can become a part of. And so in a, in a group that only meets once a year, you really have to try to get involved in the committee and something that excites you. So there's education, there's research. Um, and so get involved in one of the projects. And so that's one of the issues with, with ultrasound is that it takes a lot of patience to provide to produce a paper or to produce research that's worthy. Of course, 
case presentations are great. And, you know, a lot of us do case presentations because it doesn't take a lot. You have your one case or you do your case series. But to produce noteworthy research, it takes a village. Yeah. And so if you don't have a village worth of ultrasonographers, physician ultrasonographers at your place, then being involved in a group like the P2 Network where you can do multi-center research. And so that is just so helpful. And if you are interested in hearing more about what the P2 Network is doing or how you can get involved, be sure to check out our next episode of the Pediatric Focus Podcast, where we sit down with Dr. Ron Barant, the current president of the P2 Network. So that's our show. I want to thank Dr. Kaida Alade for donating her own personal time to talk to us instead of doing literally anything else in Las Vegas. And also thanks to you for listening. We're just figuring this out as we go. So if you have any thoughts, recommendations, or want to collaborate, send us a message at the email address in the show notes. Otherwise, subscribe so you don't miss the next episode where we go deep into the weeds of the Pediatric Focus Network. 